0: Well, Pastor uh, Brian uh, didn't mention a couple of my two favorite teams. How many Cardinal fans are out there? Okay, yeah. Even in spite of Thursday, we still are fans. And how many Charger fans are out there? Oh, okay, good, good. So I d- determined to bring the jersey that best. Uh, you know, was playing the best football. So I've got my Charger jersey in, the, uh, uh, in my office, and I'm going to wear that after the, after the service. Uh, somebody said, why don't you wear it during the service? Well, I would, but my wife thinks I should be a grown-up when I preach. So, so, that's, uh, so I wear the, you know, the button-down deal and all that. So. But uh, it's going to be great. Hope you all stay for the, for the chili cook-off and the fellowship. So uh, this uh, incident took place um, several years ago when I was the pastor in San Diego. At Mount McGill Covenant Church, I was working late Saturday night uh, on my sermon. Uh, I'm more disciplined these days. I don't do that anymore. But in those early days, when I felt like I had absolutely nothing to say, I would work late a Saturday to try to figure that out. And about a little after 10 o'clock, Sherry and the kids were home in bed, little after 10 o'clock at night, I heard this noise and it was outside my office. I looked and cars, one after another, were just streaming up. This is in a residential area, streaming up by the church and around the corner and driving up into our parking lot. So I didn't know what was going on. So, uh, And there was like 50 cars. So I went walking up to the top. The parking lot was above where the offices were. And these 50 cars were parked in a circle, all with their headlights pointed inward. And you know what's coming, right? So there was a big fight, you know. Uh, two buff 17-year-old kids were out there, and they were just beating the tar out of each other. And so I went uh, kind of jogging up there and, uh, to see what was going on. And I looked in there, and I thought to myself, oh, man, good shot. You know, and they well, wait a minute, Dwayne, what are you doing? You're a grown-up, and you're a Christian, and you're a pastor. You need to do something about that. You're, you're just not going to let two 17-year-old kids hurt each other. And they were moving in that direction, hurt each other badly. So I, I went up and broke up the fight, and, and everybody booed me, of course. And that was, you know, the first, wasn't the first time I'd been booed. And so it was really, you know, just kind of broke it all up. And, and, and it just made me think, as I was walking back to my office, um, th- that you've got to know who you are in those kind of situations. I mean, you've got you've to ask the question, who am I? So here's the phrase that I want you to remember that is the very essence of this message, okay? Now, it's real simple, and you guys are bright, uh, a good majority of you, and we're going to put this up on the screen, and I want you to memorize this and say it with me. I'll say it first. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Okay, say that with me. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. One more time. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Now, I'm I'm a grown-up, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, and I just, again, I just could not let two kids literally hurt each other badly, and so I had to do something about that. Well, that's the sermon. Um, you know let 's go have chili no 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 no, no it 's not ready quite yet, so uh, stick with me so let 's review where we 've been the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, Paul writing this uh, book to second corinthians it wasn 't uh, it 's the second letter to Corinthians. there was another letter that was lost in between, but uh, he writes this letter and he encourages the Christian believers at Corinth to uh, not give up, in spite of the tremendous pressure they feel from Uh, The Orthodox Jews from the Greek uh, religion, Sophism and Gnosticism, from the Roman government who was terrified of this Christian movement that was getting out of hand, all of these people were putting pressure on this group of Christ followers at Corinth. We call that early, those early churches were Ecclesias, okay? Ecclesia is not a building, this is a building, Ecclesia was a movement, and this movement of Christians, and Christianity has always been designed not to be a building. It's been designed to be a movement. And so this group of people were encouraged by Paul, don't give up. And the way that Paul did this, he used a motif that's really effective. And the motif is this, old versus new. It's the old covenant, the old way of doing things. you got to obey the rules, do the law, do the list, you know, make sure you're checked off. And somehow, some way, hope that God sees you and says you're okay you're good. Good to go. That's the old covenant. Never worked because nobody, nobody could ever keep the old covenant. But then the new covenant comes along with grace and says, well, yeah, the, the, nothing wrong with the old covenant, with the old law. The problem is you couldn't keep it. But there's one who did keep it, Jesus Christ. And he kept the law. And the new covenant is when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that righteousness now is inside of you. And you now can, you are no longer a lawbreaker, you are a law keeper, not because you are perfect, but because the law keeper is inside you. So there's that old covenant and the new covenant. And then last week we talked about the old body and the new body. And for those of us in here that are over 55 or have had uh, hip replacements or knee replacements, Jack or whatever, you know, we feel our age. And, you know, somebody's told me after service, every time he gets up out of a chair, his wife says, what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm just getting up out of a chair. That's all I do. And, it, you know, oh. so, so our, our bodies are getting old. And you young people, you don't believe it's going to happen to you, but it will. It will. Sooner than you think. And so your bodies are getting old. And what, the, what Paul said was the bodies are like tents. Your tent is one day going to be folded up and put away and you're not going to see it. But the real you, the spiritual you, the soul you will last forever. And one day your soul will be reunited with a body, resurrected body like Jesus's, and you'll have a new body for all times. And so that's the motif that Paul gives, old covenant, new covenant. Old body, new body. One day we'll have a new body in heaven as well as a new dwelling place. And there's this Little kingdom, big kingdom thing. This ma- kingdom of man, which is the, uh, the old covenant and the old body, and the kingdom of God, which is the new covenant and the new body. And then he adds to this motif, this idea that we find in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come that beautiful um, yin and yang, that beautiful contrast of new life in Christ or the old life in sin and the new life in Christ. And so that brings us to our text this morning. We'll begin at chapter 5, verse 14, and we'll read through chapter 6, verse 2. If you have your Bibles, open those up, your iPads, your iPhones, no Angry Birds. Everything else is okay. Let's look at our Scripture. We'll put it on the screen. It's in your notes. This is the Word of God for Hope Covenant Church. Either way... Christ's love controls us. Now, that either way is the old new, okay? Uh, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our what? Old life, right? He died for everyone so that those who receive his what? New life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That's the Second Corinthians 5.17. This is an NLT, New Living Translation. Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And the next paragraph. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. What a task that is, of reconciling people to God. Okay, that's our task. Isn't that beautiful? For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, key word there. Christ's ambassadors, God is making His appeal through us. Just let those words settle for a moment. God is making His appeal to the world through you and through me. Isn't that beautiful? For God made, excuse me, uh, I've skipped a line. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right, the word there is righteous translated in other translations, or right standing, so we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. How silly is that? This wonderful marvelous gift of God's kindness, he says, here, I give this to you so that you can give it to others, and we ignore it? So that's ridiculous. For God says, he quotes from, Jer- from Isaiah, At just the right time, I have heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. So Paul says to the church at Corinth, I know things have been difficult for you. I know they're hard. But I'm guaranteeing you that there is this new life that you can have in Christ Jesus where the old life is dead and the new life has come. It's a brand new life, new creation, new purposes, new objectives, new goals. It's a new way of living. So when I grew up, I used to love to watch Caterpillars. I don't know why, don't ask I probably need counseling, but I used to love to watch caterpillars, and I also had this idea that that caterpillar one day was going to turn into a beautiful butterfly, so there was something kind of wonderful, and I was kind of maybe expecting it to happen in front of me, but I used to love to, now you don't see many caterpillars in Arizona. I think it's because of the sidewalks most of the year, 175 degrees, But 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 you do see butterflies, and so there's this wonderful idea that a Caterpillar goes to being a butterfly. But you would feel very badly and you'd feel kind of weird if you saw a butterfly crawling along the sidewalk. You'd say to the butterfly, Don't you know who you are? Come on, man. You're a butterfly. You fly. You don't have to crawl anymore. And I'm sure what Paul is wanting to say to us is, Look, Don't you know who you are? Don't you know that you're a brand new person in Christ Jesus? Why are you still crawling? Why aren't you flying? Why aren't you experiencing all that God has for you? That's what we're talking about when we talk about this new person in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, and the new life has begun. This transformation, by the way, is not about a personality adjustment. This transformation, this new creation, is not about a modification of the way we do things. It's not about tweaking our personality. It is something Brand new. Brand new. Now, Paul describes this new life in Christ in our text with four words. And all the words begin with R, so it'll help you as you take notes, if you'd like to take notes. Each one of the words that Paul uses begins with an R. The first one, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through pretty quickly the first three, and I'd like to spend some time teaching around the fourth R. So the first three that we see in the text, the first one is recreated. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, recreated. The old is gone, the new has come. Recreation. Now, what's interesting is this word creation is the same word, if you were to transliterate from Hebrew to Greek to English, it's the same word that's used in the Genesis story. When God created the heavens and the earth, when God created Adam and Eve. And the word created in the context of Genesis, it talks about that he created it ex nihilo, Okay, that means without anything else. In other words, God didn't need uh, to go into his cupboard and pick out some things to make a person or to make the universe. He did it ex nihilo, just with his own, uh, just his own glorious ability to create, right? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. And so that word is used here. So when it says that you are a new creation, that doesn't mean that um, you're making the old you better. It doesn't mean that you're making your old personality tweaked a little bit and you're now going to be a little bit nicer. It means that you're a brand new person. Recreated, becoming daily new. New person, new creation, new purposes, new objectives, new goals. You are recreated, verse 17. And then in verse 19, the word reconciled. Let me read you that verse. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God in Christ was reconciling the world to God, right? That's the first part of it no longer counting people's sins against them. And we go, thank God for that. And this gave us this wonderful message. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So not only did he do the work of reconciling us to God, he gave us this gift of reconciliation to give to others. Isn't that beautiful? Well, the word uh, reconcile means to restore to the divine. So we have been broken. We have been walled up. Because of our sin. In Ephesians 2, it talks about how that we've built this wall of sin that, where God can't even see us. And because of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross, that wall has been broken down. It has been obliterated. It exists no more. There's no longer a wall there. That's what it means to be reconciled. We are now reunited with God. Uh, one translation I saw of the word reconciliation was rewoven. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Those of you who are sewers, not many left in our world today, or those of you that uh, cross-stitch or do knitting or those kinds of things, uh, to be rewoven, to be knit together in a, in, a, in a better way than it was in the first place. So, um, by the way, in that word reconciled, it's always used, that verb is used in the specifics of a point in time. Okay, there's a point in time when you were reconciled to God, when God rewove you to himself, where you're no longer parted from him, that wall is gone, and now you're rewoven with God. There's a point in time when you've experienced that. So um, I'm in the eighth grade, and I break my arm playing football. And my mom takes me to the doctor, and he takes an x-ray, and he said, Dwayne, I, I'm 13 years old, and he look at this x-ray. So I look at it, and the bones, you know, it's, it's fractured, but it's also m- misplaced. So he said, what I'm going to do is reset this so your bones line up again, like this, in your arm. And when I do that, um, it's going to hurt. Uh, You know, thanks, Doc, I appreciate that. And it's going to hurt. And after about six to eight weeks in a cast, we're going to take it off and I'll show you another x-ray. And you'll be amazed. So the doctor did that. He set my arm, casted it. I think eight weeks later, took the cast off, took a picture again, the x-ray, and he showed me. Look where that crack was. You can't even see it anymore. He said, your bones, and he said, back in the 60s, they could talk like this. God literally made your bones kind of weave back together. So they're like, and you see this little ring around here? That's where the crack was. That means that right where that crack was, it's even stronger than it ever was before. That's, strong, that, that's the strongest part of your arm right now, where it was cracked and it was rewoven together. That's the word reconciliation. Not only are you reconnected to God, you're rewoven in his life, and it's a stronger union than ever before. Once you were splintered and fractured because of your sin, now you were healed and you were reconnected. Uh, the third word that we find in verse 21 is the word righteous, or right, or right standing before God. Listen to this word. For God made Christ, for God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, that we could be made right or righteous or in right standing with God through Christ. Isn't that a a beautiful word? To be made right before God. You see, uh, this, this idea of righteousness comes from the concept, the biblical theological concept of justification. You've heard that people are justified by faith. Now, one thing people question about with Christianity is that it doesn't seem fair that just if you're a Christian, you don't have to pay for your sins. I mean, somebody's got to pay, you know, you do something wrong, you got to pay for it. What they don't realize is that we have been justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. So it's his righteousness that becomes ours. Now, you've heard me talk about the great exchange. And I don't know that I've ever told you the origin of the great exchange. It comes from Martin Luther 500 years ago. And uh, in this um, uh, book, he wrote about the the great, he called it a wonderful exchange, and this is what he said. That is the mystery which is rich in divine grace to sinners, wherein by, quote, a wonderful exchange, our sins are no longer ours, but Christ's. And our righteousness, and the righteousness of Christ is no longer Christ's, but now ours. He has emptied Himself of His righteousness that that He might clothe us with it and fill us with it. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, He emptied Himself of His righteousness and gave it to us. So here's what this looks like in a practical way. Okay, my wife tells me that this represents my sin, okay? And, yeah, I know, it's got chemicals and all that. And, you know, I've I've got a wife, so don't talk to me afterwards. She's got plenty to say to me about this. But I drink these things way too often. In fact, I drank two before service today. That's why I'm so wired. And so this represents my sin. Now, it's just the tip of the iceberg, believe me, if you knew me. I've got a lot of sin. But this represents my sin. This represents the righteousness of God in Christ. Everything perfect. Redemption and love and joy and peace and satisfaction and substance and everything you could possibly imagine. This represents Christ. And the great exchange, Martin Luther called it, the wonderful exchange is this. This is Jesus, this is me, and this is what it looks like. His righteousness now is mine. It is mine, it's my possession, it's in me. And my unrighteousness, my sin, belongs to Jesus In such a way that he literally had to go and die for my sins on the cross. That is an amazing, wonderful exchange. Paul says we are recreated, made completely new. He says we are reconciled, woven together, and we are made righteous. The righteousness of God with the wonderful exchange. The righteousness of Christ is within us. Now there's one other dimension to our new life in Christ from the text. And Paul says it this way. We are God's representatives. Okay, another word that he uses is ambassador. Let me read to you verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now I want to do some teaching around that word um, uh, ambassadors. God is making his appeal To the world, to a broken, lost, dying world, a world filled with anger, war, racism, hatred. He is making his plea to the world through his ambassadors, through his ambassadors, through you, through me. So let me give you a definition for ambassador. An ambassador is the highest-ranking diplomat sent as a representative from one country to another the highest-ranking diplomat sent from one country to another. Now, if you are a Christ follower, you know where this is going. You, please hear this, you are the highest-ranking diplomat sent from God in heaven to the earth with his message of reconciliation. You are ambassador of Jesus Christ. That's who you are, the highest-ranking diplomat sent by God from heaven to earth. So um, often I do um, weddings, as you know, and I've been to other banquets, and usually at these kind of things, especially if they're in a church or a Christian uh, bent, um, usually before a dinner is served, there's going to be a prayer, okay? Somehow we figured that we can't eat until we pray. So we're going to do that. And so at every wedding, the most recent was Robin Evie's wedding a few weeks ago. Uh, the reception is starting and the DJ is uh, uh, calling all the shots. And finally, the DJ, because earlier in the evening, he's come over to me and he said, Pastor, uh, before the meal, would you be willing to uh, say grace? Would you be willing to give the prayer? And I, I love to mess with DJs. It's awesome. And so I always say to him, I said, well, I could do that, but why don't you do that? Me? <laughs> now, he's been doing all the talking anyway, you know. He's like, me? And then usually a guy, you know, because many of these guys are Christians. Many of these guys are, oh, I, I couldn't possibly do that. He says, I'm a regular Christian. <laughs> hey, folks, there's no such thing as a regular Christian. There's no such thing as, here's Pastor Dwayne up here, you know, because he's got the, you know, the button-down shirt and the ear thing, you know. But no, the rest of you are down here. No, there's no such thing as a regular Christian. You are a Christ follower. And you have been called to be an ambassador of God. You've been called to take the good news of God's reconciliation from God, from heaven to earth. You are an ambassador of God. No such thing as a regular Christian. We are all God's representatives. Sometimes we forget that the time and place that we're in Uh, Right here in Chandler, Arizona, if you live somewhere else, we always have people visiting from other places that God has placed you in this time, in this moment, in this place for a purpose. And that is to to be an ambassador. Because let's go back to our, our sermon sentence, okay, earlier. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you recognize and you realize and you believe that you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ and that, listen, please, you're the highest ranking diplomat from God in heaven to earth. When you realize that and you press into that and you live that and you believe that, your life will never be the same. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Our text says that being an ambassador, he has committed to us. Literally, it means he has given to us the wonderful message of reconciliation. Now, imagine this. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has given you this wonderful gift of reconciliation. It's like a A pearl of great price we find in the Gospels. It's like the most expensive gift you have ever seen. It's the most wonderful thing that the world knows. It's the cure for cancer. It's the solution for war. It's all of those things wrapped up into one thing. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords has given you this pearl of great price, this message of reconciliation, and says to you, listen, you are my highest-ranking diplomat from me to the earth to tell them about the love of Jesus. Please, for God's sake, please do this task. I am Christ's ambassador. That's who you are. Now, I just want to unpack this for a moment. Two simple thoughts around being Christ's ambassador. The first is this. As Christ's ambassador, you were not elected by people, but you were chosen and appointed by God. You were chosen and appointed by God. Jesus said it a different way in the Gospel of John. This is what Jesus said himself. He said, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you're in heaven, and the Father says, Here, I've got something I want you to deliver to one of my countries." Uh, to the to 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 the earth, that blue rock down there. I want you to take this message of reconciliation and deliver this, because I have chosen you. I have elected you. I have said you are the one that I want to do that task. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. So, some of you might say, "Well, but I, yeah, I'm not very good at that. I'm not don't know the Bible enough." I, you know, that, we, we all said that and we all have thought that and. I'm just not the right guy to do that and all of that. So, so let, me, let me give you an example from when I was in junior high school. I was in the eighth grade, and I was in our core class, uh, which was like half the day, and it's where you did social studies and English and all those things. And, and our teacher, every once in a while, she needed to deliver a message or deliver a piece of equipment to the office. Okay, an important task, an important job. And so she would say, are there any volunteers in the school? And, of course, everybody volunteers. Now, I was a quiet kid, and I wasn't the best student. I was a good student, but I wasn't the best student, and I was pretty quiet. But one time, when I shot my hand up, she said, Dwayne, I pick you. you Come on up here. And so here's what she did. She took out, this is awesome, she took out a hall pass. Remember hall pass? It's awesome. Put my name on it, Dwayne Cross. He has the right to walk through the halls. And down at the bottom, she signed her name. I had a hall pass. And then she gave me this important paper that I was supposed to take directly to the principal and it was very important and very official. And I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And so I left the classroom and I was feeling so good and full, so full of myself. It was awesome. And I was going to have the next 10 minutes all to my own and maybe 15 if I went slow enough. And it was just amazing. And, and so I didn't walk the corridors. I sashayed the corridors. It was a big difference, <laughs> big difference. You know where you, you're like this? and you're looking in the other rooms, you see some of your friends that you play ball with, you go, how you doing, you know? And you're looking at them, and the guys are going, what are you do you don't like this? And do you know what I do? Check it, hall pass. Hall pass, baby, hall pass. You know, You got nothing on me. I'm out here and I look at the signature. My teacher's sitting right there. Hall pass. I'm taking this important document to the principal. How much more the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has given you a hall pass. You are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You are the highest ranking diplomat to take the message of God to this earth. That's you. That's each and every one of you. So you didn't choose me. I chose you. God says, I have given you this task to take this amazing message of reconciliation to the world. Now, Paul (laughs) Paul would have been the guy that would say, Hey, I can't can't do this. I, I can't be an ambassador for Jesus. Man, I've got blood on my hands. I killed Jews, I, I, like, me, I killed Christians, I, I attacked them, I beat them, I ordered them killed and slaughtered, I've got blood on my hands, and Jesus, you want me to be an ambassador for you? That's not fair, I'm, I don't have the requirements, I don't have the studying, I don't know enough, I, I can't do it, my hands are bloody, and this is what Jesus said to Paul, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument, but, but he, was, he was a mess. He was a sinner, the worst sinner in the world at the time. God, uh, Saul, is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Saul, Paul, was chosen in spite of his terrible, awful, broken, sinful, ugly past. We have no excuses. You are God's representative from heaven to earth. You are God's chosen instrument. You are God's chosen instrument to take the good news of Christ to the world. You say, well, Paul had a job, but he had to go to the Gentiles. He had to go to the Jews. I don't know who I'm supposed to go to. Who am I supposed to carry this message to? Well, maybe it's uh, the people you work with. Uh, Maybe you work at Intel and even though you're not going to spend time, you know, work time, you know, uh, witnessing, but by the way you live your life and the way you talk and the way you carry yourself, you can bear witness to the one who loved you and saved you. Or maybe you're a teenager on a football team or a drama class and God has called you to that time and that place, that moment. You are not in this room by accident brothers and sisters in Christ, you are not in your job by accident. You are not in your school by accident. You have been appointed and you have been elected to be in this time and this place for the kingdom of God. You are God's chosen instrument in this moment. Most of you don't realize the angst, you can ask my wife, but the angst and anxiety that I feel on Sunday morning. I've worked very hard at trying to look cool when I get here. I'm not. Don't buy it. It's not happening. I sit in that chair, and you see me raise my arms in worship. It's not so much that I'm worshiping God. I'm just saying, God, help me. I have no idea what I'm doing up here. And I do what I can. I prepare. I do all of that. But I have this sense that I'm not the greatest pastor in the world. I'm not the greatest preacher. I have no right because of my sin and my background to stand up before people and tell them about Jesus. And then the Lord whispers to me, Dwayne, in this time and in this place and in this moment, I have called and elected and ordained you to speak the good news of Jesus Christ. Shut up and get up there and preach. And it's almost, almost those identical words I hear every Sunday. Yeah, we're, you're not the greatest. Yeah, yeah, you've got a past. Of course, I understand that. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. When you know who you are, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. As though God is making his appeal to the world through you. So point number one is God, as Christ's ambassador, we are not elected by people, but we are chosen and appointed by God. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. You never represent yourself, you always represent God. Now that goes for every area of your life. You don't represent yourself, you represent God. You are the highest ranking diplomat in heaven, sent to earth as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We don't promote our own agenda, our own ideas, our own preferences. Now, if you're the ambassador to Egypt, you're not going to go there and go in front of the king of Egypt, although they're kind of uh, difficult these days, right? Go in front of the king of Egypt and say, you know what? I got to tell you, I don't like your falafel. It's just not good. You know, let me give you my recipe because it, or you know what? Those big old pyramid things, They've been around long enough. Let's take those down and put some condos up. You know, it's not about your preference. It's not about your idea. It's not about what you think should happen. It's not about what kind of music or what kind of preaching style or what kind of... It's not about you. It's about God. And you are his highest-ranking diplomat from God in heaven to the earth to bring the message of reconciliation to the world. This is what Jesus said. Jesus was the most amazing ambassador for God, and he said this, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Jesus said that. Jesus said, I'm not here on my nickel. man. I'm just down here to do the will of my Father. Now, I've I've got a pet peeve, and I don't have a lot of them, but I have one that I want to share with you, and it's this. Many people have told me over my ministry, and I believe this, by the way, I believe this, that I have my life as a pastor, and we talk about this in our staff meetings sometimes. My life as a pastor, that I have a higher standard that I'm held to than you. Okay, now I have a problem with that. But but at the same time, I believe it. Okay, here's my problem with it I I don't think my standard of living, I'm talking about what I what movies I go to, how I spend my money, what kind of marriage I have. What, all of these things, people are watching me and I understand that. So I really have this high standard that people want to hold me to and I want to hold myself to that. So my problem is not that um, I should be held to a lower standard. That's not my problem at all. Here's, here's my deal. You should be held to the same standard I am. You should be held to a higher standard because you are the highest ranking diplomat sent by God from heaven to the earth to bring that message, to carry that message of reconciliation to the world. We represent God. We are Christ's representatives, representative of God. I was at um, Mountainside Fitness a couple weeks ago working out, and there's this one machine, that uh, a weight machine that I was using and another guy was using, so we were kind of taking turns and uh, I don't know why, but he looked much different than I did, even though we're using the same machine. I don't get that. But um, so we took turns, and I happened to strike up a little conversation. Hey, how you doing? My name's Dwayne. And I noticed that he was really sad, and even there was a, a tear kind of in the corner of his eye, and I said, you know what, I don't want to butt in. I didn't, I'd never met this guy before. I don't want to put in, but, um, you know, if you want to talk or if you want to share you know, what's going on in your life. I'm a good listener, you know. And so he did. I didn't tell him I was a pastor or anything. he said, I'm a good listener. And so after he told me his really sad story about uh, his wife and kids, uh, I said, you know, can I, can I pray for you? And he said, oh, please. And so I, I prayed for him and then I promised I would continue to pray for him. And uh, I will and I have been. And, um, but here, here's, here's the deal. At that moment and in that place, That's where God wanted me. At that moment and at that time and at that place, at Mountainside Fitness on a Tuesday morning a couple weeks ago, that's exactly where God wanted me. Because here's the deal. I, at that moment, was the highest-ranking diplomat from heaven with a message of reconciliation sent to earth to bring the good news to those who were lost and broken and hurting and afraid. We have the authority of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that um, when Jesus was leaving, he said to the Christ followers, he said, you know what, um, I want you guys to do the same things I did while I was here on earth. And the disciples went, whoa, whoa, time out. You know, you know, we can do some things, but man, that cool stuff that you did, like water into wine and, and healing people and casting out demons, that was awesome. But uh, Jesus said, listen, The same power that I had from the Father, please hear this, church. The same power I had from the Father is the same power that you have. It's the same power that you have because you are Christ's ambassadors sent by God from heaven to earth with the authority to love people and to give them the message of reconciliation. It is your appointed time and place to do that. You're not elected by man, but you're chosen and appointed by God carrying the message of reconciliation, never representing yourself, but always representing Christ. So here's what I don't want to hear from you. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Are you kidding me? You're responsible for the next generation of Christ followers. Is there any more important job than a stay-at-home mom? Well, I'm just a teacher, and I'm really handcuffed by how much I can talk about God. I recognize that, but you are appointed in this time and in this place at that school to be a messenger of Jesus Christ. How you live your life, how you share your life, how you glow, how everything you experience in life, you show to those people. It is not a mistake. You are the highest-ranking official from heaven to earth with God's message of reconciliation. And when you know who you are, friends, when you know who you are, you will know what to do. Would you bow your heads with me, please?